I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Very fun, special Feel Good Friday coming at you this week. We're doing something a little bit different. What are we doing? Well, uh, usually it's just the three of us and Donut hanging out here. Uh, but this week, we are actually joined by a special guest host. We are? Yeah. The host of the uh, new podcast, Stuff the British Stole, Mark Finnell. Ladies and gentlemen, put your fucking hands together. Hello. The man himself. <laughs> yeah. Hello. I wish I could be there to give Donut a hug, but it's nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're <laughs> stoked to you. have you, dude. So, look, uh, we don't usually do this, but this is really fun for us to have somebody sit in on the the hijinks and the uh, the silliness that that uh, comes out of this podcast every Friday. <laughs> um, Mark, uh, why don't you before we get into the content this week, uh, give our listeners a little heads up about. Uh, stuff the British stole, what it's all about, how this came to be, and uh, why Why isn't Ozzy doing a podcast <laughs> about the shit that the British have done over eons? Well, I mean, <laughs> if you want to like look at the biggest things the British did steal... Canada and Australia are pretty much the biggest things they stole. <laughs> um, it kind of started as a joke with a friend of mine, uh, and we were like, do you know what? You, want, you ever wander around museums and think, where did this stuff come from? And she just looked at me blankly and went, yeah, because it was stolen. And I was like, mm, interesting. And so a couple of years ago, I found myself in, uh, I found myself in London and I went over for like an award that I knew I was going to lose. So I'm like, I'm going to make this trip worthwhile. I'm going to fly 14 hours. So I brought my, my microphone with me and I started wandering around museums and I, I arranged an interview with a few historians and they're like, this one particular historian, she looked at me and went, yeah, everything here was stolen. And she started pointing out things like that came from Nigeria and they took it through a massacre and that came from China and they took that through another massacre. And so I started working on the series where you would take an object that sits in a British museum and you'd go back and tell the story of how it got there. And in doing so, you kind of get to tell the story of the world left in the wake of the British Empire, which, I mean, I, I always say like, if you can understand what I'm saying and what you're saying, if you can understand English, you have in some way been touched by the British Empire. And so it kind of right. becomes this small doorway into a very big world. And it's amazing. It's sort of blown up this season we're doing with, um, with ABC in Australia and CBC in Canada. And we were just, we set up this email address where people could kind of send in objects that they'd seen in museums and go, hey, where did this come from? And there was literally hundreds of emails. So that's what we've made the new season out of. And it's, um, it's wild. H history is, you know, like when you go into museums, they've got these tiny little plaques that tell you this very polite version of history and... History is very much not polite a lot of the times. And so that's yeah. that's what we embarked upon doing. And so far, people don't hate it, which is my bar for success. Well, oh, hey, it, it, I mean, it sounds like a historian nerd's wet dream. And uh, <laughs> I don't even give a fuck about history. Like <laughs> neither did I. I should say, like, neither yeah. did I. I have no functioning qualifications to do this at all. But somehow the, the stories are so wild. Like you've yeah. got stories of like the, the first episode of this season is a, is a literal heist that took place in the 1970s uh, that kind of what? takes you back into the, takes you back into, um, into, into history. And it's like all these Very stories are actually bonkers. I it's think that a, it is so cool because, because I think that's, that's what, uh, something that makes podcasting so incredible that podcasting has become <laughs> this medium through which you can circumnavigate all the typical channels that have been set up to allow people to express their interest or their, their knowledge on something, mm. you know, like, you know, instead of you having to get a history degree and then go pitch <laughs> this to like BBC or some fucking thing that they go, Oh, well you need all these, you know, these qualifications and blah, 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 blah. 
you can create a podcast, circumnavigate that whole thing. And if your interest is genuine and your knowledge is good and the storytelling is there, then you can build an audience Silent, and people will yeah. listen to you and you can yeah. create something from, from nothing. And podcast well, is awesome. Well, we somehow have built an audience on this podcast originally through talking to people about what it is like to live with illness. And, uh, and, and there's been so many beautiful stories that have come out of this, but then we started doing these feel good Friday episodes and there's an audience that just want to tune in to the whack shit that happens <laughs> around the world when it comes to health and health sciences. And so we're going to get into some of that with Mark right now. But before we do, because Mark, your <laughs> podcast has nothing to do with illness <laughs> and because uh, you, I mean, you, I'm just going to say it's safe to assume you're a pretty healthy guy. Um, I could, and I could lose not, some pounds, but I'm all right. Okay, sure. <laughs> okay, sure. So, so considering that um, there's not really anything tying these two worlds together, um, I decided to add one clip this week that has nothing to do with anything, but, <laughs> but kind of tying it into what you do, Mark, uh, because I take it the work that you've done in your podcast even though maybe it hasn't taken you personally around the world, the work you're doing is kind of placing you all these different mm. places around the world. Uh, so do you, I, I have a question for you. Do you speak Cantonese? No, my, my mom grew up in Singapore. Uh, so she can swear in a variety of dialects, but Cantonese is not one of them. Perfect. Okay. Perfect <laughs> answer. Um, so this, this clip was, uh, was sent to me by a friend of mine when we were drinking the other night. And I thought you two guys would find this fucking hilarious. This is, uh, m this is my name in Cantonese and what it translates to. Okay. Jeremy, your name. My right? name. Jer well, all names that's uh, like a, a series of names that start with Jer. Okay. 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 Your name begins with J-E-R, J-E-R. Jer sounds like Jer, which means dick in Cantonese. Jared, Jer what? Dick nut. Jerry, Jer like dick comes. Jeremy, Jeremy, Dick Rice, Gerald, Gerald, Dick Road, Gerard, Gerwa, Dick Says, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, Dick Says, Let's Buy. <laughs> All those in favor of calling him Dick Road for the rest of the episode say hi. Dick Rice, hi. Thank you. Dick Rice is my new nickname. <laughs> I would, I, I would gladly take on Dick Rice. And uh, very telling as well. Um, Dude, so the so the prefix to your name just means dick. dick. I know. <laughs> which is really... It makes which, me want to go to China so bad now. And, and really gives you a lot of like sympathy for all the Richards out there. Yes. yes. Yeah. It does. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And, and uh, now we can just... We, it's funny because now we know that we have just been calling you dick for as long as we've known you. <laughs> That's it. Dude, yeah, Dick Rice. All well, that time they've was... been calling you Dick behind your back was actually just accurate. Now, <laughs> and now here's, the, here's the fucking trippy part. My mom's maiden name is Rice. No. My mom, my mom sort of accidentally named me Dick Rice. Now, Dick Rice Rice. How much therapy is it going to take to work through that? <laughs> know, right? Yeah, what if yeah. this is, becomes legit? What if this right now in history... Tying the longest world's longest bow being pulled. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> we're making ties. We're making ties. What if this becomes the genesis for like 150 years from now? Everybody whose name is Jeremy or Gerald or anything, that their 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 shorthand is Dick. And you want to and you want to tie it to the Could health be. thing too. <laughs> Their mental health suffers because of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Just like all the Richards out there. So <laughs> moving right along to actual content that we typically follow. Uh, this video made me chuckle. Um, uh, it's, it's one of those videos, you know, like, that, like they come along every once in a while, a video of someone who's really, really high after yeah. a surgery. In oh, particular, yeah. like wisdom teeth removal or, yeah. or whatever. That's my favorite lane to explore in on TikTok or YouTube. It's so good. So have you have you guys ever been in that situation where you've been so high yes. after a surgery that you've said some silly shit? Oh yeah. Yes. Not that I can remember. Well, you wouldn't remember it, obviously, yeah. but like you were there. Somebody did somebody tell you what 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 you said? Yeah, I specifically the memory that jumps out is wisdom teeth out. Uh, I was like fully put under with whatever gas yeah. that they gave me yeah, yeah, yeah. beforehand. And then afterwards, um, I'm going home and my mom calls John, our friend John, yeah. and is telling him that like that telling him that I'm not really sure why, but Taylor is like really concerned about you. 
and that you need to come and be with him because he's concerned for your safety and that you need to be there so that he, he doesn't get hurt. And so John, John came okay. over and, right. and that was like, that, that was me just, just being, just gushing over needing John. I, I had, I had an experience where when I got my wisdom teeth out, there was also a guy who was uh, incarcerated, who was there to get dental work as well. So he was being, he was being chauffeured around by a, um, a correctional officer. But this is actually happening. In yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, so wow. me and, and a prisoner were both getting work done the same day. And we were both in the recovery room at the same time with the correctional officer standing on guard this by the a, guy. This is a curb episode. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and I was calling out the correctional officer telling him that he was a rental cop. Oh, and wow. my dad was like, Jer, Dick, Dick, Dick yeah. you need to cool it. Especially <laughs> since your sister went on to be a correctional yeah, officer. Yeah, I know. It, I remember. really funny. In the curb version of that, you would get your bill and he would get his bill and at some some like level of insurance would cover his work and you wouldn't <laughs> yeah, covered. Yeah. You'd be like, yeah. What? <laughs> him? What? I'm not paying for him. Mark, have you uh, have you ever been so high <laughs> that you've uh, you've said some whack shit? My appendix nearly burst when I was like 23, 24, and I had to be rushed Amen. to hospital and they were just like and, and because the thing with hospitals were like if you don't say I'm having trouble breathing, they don't rush you in, which is a lesson mm. I learned. And I and, and by the time they got me in, they're like, Oh shit, you need to get into surgery now. Um, um, but when I woke up, because I'd spent so long sitting in this waiting room watching reruns of CSI, apparently when I woke up, all I did was recount, <gasps> that guy did it, and then went back to back to okay. sleep again. <laughs> so somehow I'd imbibe like 14 episodes of CSI, like the early like Gil Grissom years, and I've just been like, it was that guy. And then I went, straight back out again. So <laughs> so this clip is a, is a gentleman who had something removed, I believe wisdom teeth, I'm guessing based off what he looks like. Um, and it seems that he had, he was experiencing some sort of amnesia where he didn't remember anything in his life, but the only thing he does seem to remember is Batman. <laughs> uh, is that a nice chair? Yeah. Yeah. Is it better than the one you have at home? Oh my God. Yeah. You have a chair. I have a chair Yeah. No way! <laughs> mom and dad bought it for you. I have a mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you know who I am? Yeah. Who am I? I'm a dad. I'm a dad. I have a dad. I have a dad. Listen, listen. You know you have two sisters too. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> well, they're at work. Oh my god, I can't believe I'm good for And you have a dog? <laughs> is that cool? <laughs> He's a big dog. Oh my god, uh, I love big dogs. <laughs> What's his name? His name is Bane. <laughs> oh my god, you're playing Batman! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. oh God, that would be a lot. Oh my God, my life is perfect. <laughs> my life is perfect. I love oh, that. So like I, that Isn't is the that... most heartwarming thing I've seen in months. I love that. Yeah. That's the most beautiful thing. Yeah, like yes. what a way to like to just realize how beautiful your life is. Right. Yeah, like everybody's everybody's going around being like, oh man, like I, I don't I don't have enough money. I don't have enough of this. I don't have enough of that. Like blah 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 blah. Whatever your issues are. And then they're just like, you've got sisters. You've got a dad. And a dad and a mom <laughs> and a dog. And it's yeah. big. It's a big dog. Yeah. And that's yeah. all. That's it. It's all I need. Nothing else. Don't need anything just, else. Just Life imagine being that like, grateful for things. Like, I, ca I cannot it. imagine being that grateful for anything right now. <laughs> it's the best. It honestly is like that. That was my favorite part of the video was, was just the simplicity of like, of realizing how, how much gratitude you can have. For the things that you just you take for granted every single fucking day. Yeah, and it, and it wasn't even the specific things because like you could tell that whatever his dad told him he had, he was oh he was like that reaction he, too. Like yeah, yeah. you've you got, got a, a you've got a penis. <laughs> I've got a penis. Yeah, yeah. Got a, oh my god, you got a jar. <laughs> He'd be like, but it's small. He'd be like, but it doesn't matter. It's, it's how you one. use it. 
<laughs> That's right. Well, speaking of penises, this is a great segue. Thank you, Taylor. You're welcome. Um, uh, we're going to go into it. We're going to go into a dick story. But before we do, uh, Mark, you are from the beautiful, wonderful country of Australia. Unfortunately, I haven't had a, an opportunity to to visit, but it's one of those places that's like high on my list that I would love to go uh, explore and check out. Um, and one of the things that that simultaneously piques my interest yet also terrifies me is the <laughs> the amount of creatures that <laughs> exist on your continent totally that can fucking end you in just a matter of seconds do you so many do you mark like like where, where in australia do you live so I, li- I live in sydney and the funny thing is the sheer number of animals that can kill you in the country sure but the sheer number of animals that kill you that can climb through your window that you can kill you is the thing you want to be afraid of a couple of years Whoa, ago, right. I, I, um, I read about Chris. So we're coming into our summer at the end of the year. And uh, that's where the spiders get really big. And a couple of years ago, there was a gigantic spider that climbed on our window. And my kids, who are like five and seven years old, are so sort of, eh, spiders. Um, and they, uh, they sort of went, oh, Dad, this one's a big one. You should take a photo of it. And I, and I took a photo of it. And I was like, it is a big one. And I put it on Twitter. Before I knew it, it was like there were articles in Ireland and France about Australian TV presenter finds world largest spider because apparently it was real. You you grow up, you forget just how like scary so many of the animals here are until you put them on the internet and everyone else is like, oh yeah, you live in a hellscape. I'm like, yeah, but the beaches are nice. <laughs> so yes, I'm I'm familiar with our scary animals. <laughs> well, this is a story that uh, whew, made me just wince uh to the utmost degree i uh, don't like how you got into this story by talking about penises oh yeah and then talked about terrifying animals yeah. and oh. are somehow gonna bring that all together right buckle now. up i think Fuck i know me. what this is <laughs> so this uh this came from motherboard it's a detached uh, penis that's man, on the rampage <laughs> man experiences scrotal necrosis oh. after cobra bites his ball oh, oh. Uh, this is in Australia. Uh, no, this is uh, doctors in the Netherlands claim they've seen the first ever case of scrotal necrosis from a highly venomous snouted cobra after a snake bit a man's balls from inside a toilet. Okay, so wow. sorry, can I just pause? Can I just pause? Say scrotal necrosis is the best metal band name I've ever heard. Oh, yeah, the best. Yeah, if I had any musical skill. And if I looked that good in black, I would make that band right now. Scrotal <laughs> Necrosis is actually an amazing band name. Uh, um, uh, Venomous Snouted Cobra is also great. Mm, uh, mm. Cobra from the Toilet is also <laughs> terrifyingly good. Um, uh, so, I mean, just like that. The, if you don't already have a fear of sitting on the toilet, which some people do. Oh, yeah, I was like, wait, hold on, wait. Where, like, do you mean toilet? like a hygienic fear? No. People have a fear. Some people have fears of sitting on the toilet be, for this exact reason. Oh, I do. Like yeah, in, in summer when it gets warm, because you, you, if you go to like a public toilet, because they're kind of out in parks, they get quite warm. So we know that spiders and snakes do kind of, particularly snakes do kind of coil in there, which is like yeah, a thing that man. I know. But then I look at it and go, I'm just checking. All right. I will sit yeah. on you now. You know, what's crazy is I've never thought of that in my entire life, like of looking for something in the bathroom. And even if I traveled abroad, like if I was in Australia, I still wouldn't think of that because I live in a place where there aren't animals like that. So I just don't think about that yeah. naturally. And now you're always going to think about now, it. Now, now I'm always going to, now guys, this fucked my life up. Before you, you are uh, before so you, welcome. Before you continue, <laughs> before you continue with this, with this story and, and I don't, and this opportunity to, to say this doesn't come up again, I, I, I have to say this. I know that I've told you guys this story. I've probably recounted on the podcast before, but we've got a new friend Mark here with us and I haven't, I definitely haven't said this on the podcast for a while, but I have an experience with my penis and with a bathroom and with uh, an animal uh, of my own. And it happened in Nicaragua a few years ago, it would have been 2017. I'm in the bathroom. And, uh, and I'm, and I'm, I'm taking a piss and, uh, getting graphic here. My foreskin's pulled back and I, and I finish peeing and I, I, I roll my foreskin back over the head of my dick and, and I feel a pinch and I go, Oh, I go, wow. And I, and I kind of like, and I guess I just kind of take, take the, take the head in in my, in between my fingers and kind of give it another little, just a little squeeze. And I, Oh, fuck. What the, 
and then another and then another. Oh, fuck. What you the fuck is that? Pressing it. Because well, I'm going, well, because I'm going, is it a pressure point? Like, is it the first time? I'll do it three more times. Well, I was just, you to know, make sure it was, really hurt. You know, it's also, who has I'm like a pressure point on your penis? The whole thing well, is I a pressure know, point. Right? Like, <laughs> I know. I'm testing. I'm just testing the water. So, did you get I something pull, put in there? I pull my foreskin back down, and there is a fire ant no. underneath, underneath my foreskin. Rumba. That obviously, while I was peeing, had crawl had somehow crawled up the backside, where I didn't see it, and then and then I rolled it back over, and it and it, and then it was in there. It was then it was in between the skin and the head, and it bit me three times on the head of my dick. Yeah, because you kept it pressing burned. it. I mean, the first time it's on him. The second two times it's on you. I mean, That's I just, right. I never, right. I just never, I thought that Thank it was you, like a, a sore or, or, or <laughs> something. Like, I didn't think that it would be a, an animal that's biting my dick and it hurts so badly and it swelled up and it was stinging for probably like 24 hours. It stung real to- bad. Total plot twist. Maybe that was your little buddy who had like crawled into your penis hole at like in the middle of the night and he was just huddled there and he was feeling so good and you unrolled him because he was already in there he got cold and then oh. you tucked him back in so and he was it, like it was Sweet. an inside job wished <laughs> him and he was like what the fuck i thought we were friends and then he your dick. i no, also like the, that next time and i feel like you know the you know the line like is that a banana in your pocket or are you just happy to see me i feel like uh mm-hmm. with, with the additional swelling from the fire and you'd be like are you just happy to see me or you just uh, <laughs> I also assault was- a fire ant <laughs> <laughs> I was really picturing it like a Pixar movie. But anyway, well, this is where my brain naturally. To me, the saddest part of that story is the thought of the last place I ever took a breath would would be the inside of someone's foreskin. Like that poor ant. What an right. awful way to die. I'm not, was, I'm not sure if he died. I mean, I can't remember now. Are you just lying to yourself? Yeah. Of course, he died. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, ants are pretty. Re- ants are pretty resilient. Well, I didn't. I didn't specifically kill it. I think I unrolled it, and he just kind of fell away. Well, um, moving back to this story here, uh, the forty-seven-year-old patient was on vacation in South Africa at a wildlife reserve when the cobra surprised him from below. He waited three hours for a helicopter to fly him to the nearest trauma center. According to the report, during which he felt a burning pain spread from his genitals up into his abdomen and chest. When he arrived at the hospital, he had, quote, swollen genitals and a deep purple discoloration indicating uh-huh. scrotal necrosis. The researchers wrote uh, doctors administered eight doses of snake venom antiserum, as well as medications to control his fever, dialysis for injury to his kidneys, and debridement of his sack and shaft that involved oh. ex- exercising a lot of his genital tissue. Get me a definition for debridement. Yes. Uh, because that doesn't sound good. I feel like it's uh, like an, a, it's a, a slit to alleviate sounds, some pressure yeah, or something like that. It sounds like a separation of some sort. It, it, yes. uh, debridement is the medical removal of dead, damaged, or infected tissue to improve the healing potential of the Ooh. remaining healthy oh. tissue. So really, they just... Cut away a bunch of bunch of scrotum. Um, Fuck. Uh, the after nine days, he was transported to a hospital in in the Netherlands. Yeah, I was wondering how it was the the Dutch research team that ended up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he got back there. The Dutch in South Africa are very the the doctors there uh, documented his case as the first ever to ever to the first to ever describe what happens when a snouted cobra sinks its venom into a man's genitals um the photos of this poor man's mangled nuts published in the report are not safe for life in the early stages of recovery his sack looks like a baldly a badly sewn tim burton puppet oh with a long thick stitch running right up the middle oh Oh, wow that is Uh, such a that's such a visceral do you have i don't i well we'll get to this um uh 21 days after the bite a plastic surgeon patched up his shaft with a skin graft taken from his groin. As gnarly as it looked for the first time, the man's doctors did actually a pretty good job of under, undoing the damage. And within a year, the patient regained function and sensations, uh, a nice bonus to the ultimate outcome of not dying on vacation from a snake bite to the balls. Wow. After, uh, around the world, snakes striking from inside toilets is more common than you'd think. Last year, set a seven-foot python bit a woman on the ass in Thailand. 
In what? April, a 10-footer got a man in Malaysia. What? And in July, a five-foot python grabbed, grabbed a man by the cheeks in Austria. Che- uh, face cheeks or ass cheeks? Um, I'm going to guess. Why is there a python in Austria? Is it like a pet? Yeah, I don't know. That that could have been a typo. It could have been Australia. But (laughs) I just want to take a moment here, Mark, to just quickly survey Mark on how he feels about his decision to join us. (laughs) No, this is everything. This is everything I'd hoped for more. No, I'm loving every second of this. But I'm so curious. Like I was imagining. So my fear that sort of came up in me in talking about this is like, oh fuck! Now when I travel to other countries, I'm gonna really have to check the public bathrooms. I'll definitely to make sure that there's no scary. Animals in there, but like a seven foot, a ten foot, a five foot snake. Like, but they must be in it. Like, they're, they're not. not they're not small. They're not curled in it. I feel like they're in the like. But also, pipe. you got to think about. You also have to think too. Ooh. Like, not just that, but like, if you're on an if you're in an outhouse, right? Like, an outhouse is just a giant hole, mm. right? So there's lots of room for something to be slithering, slithering around yeah. down there. Um, so you got a poopy bite on your butt too. Yeah. Yeah, they're probably not clean. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the doctors documented the case of the ne- necrotized scrotum wrote in the report, quote, our take home message, always flush the toilet before sitting down in countries notorious for their snake population. Uh, That's that actually like really good advice. Fun. Do you reckon when it the is. guy woke up from his, uh, from his, you know, graft surgery, he was as grateful as the other guy. It's like, I have a penis. I have a shower. Yeah, yeah. You would yeah. be, yeah. right? Like, You'd want to hope so. Yeah. Because it, cause it yeah. could have been, I mean, 100%. he could, like, you know, you can... You know your 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 child making abilities are are compromised, but I mean you For can sure. you can you know you can still do work. You know if he if he <laughs> if he if he got his dick bit, different story. Mm. Now, this this story reminded me. If he got his jar bit. Uh, his dick <laughs> rice was bit. Uh, this story reminded me of of a conversation that I had with a friend of mine who works as a healthcare professional. He works in the um, emergency department sometimes and sometimes in the operating room. And uh, he has a very strong stomach as a human. And he came to me um, basically explaining how he experienced probably one of the gnarliest things he ever has in his entire life. I remember this. And and, um, almost vomited and, and was straight up like, this is probably the worst thing anyone could ever witness. And it was called... Uh, Fournier gangrene. This is truly now Fournier's made of horror. This is made of horror. Fournier gangrene is gangrene or necrosis of the junk of the of the scrotum of the dick. The, the whole and deal, or like it, can it like can it isolate with bit? You know, oh, you lost a left. It could be, it, it could be the it could be the scrotum. It could be the it could be the shaft. It could be the whole thing. But like uh, in the stomach is like it was well, was it spreads. It, so right. that's the thing is that it spreads. Right. And so, um, my friend who told me about this was like, whatever you do, don't Google, Google image it. search this. Yeah, which we immediately which I immediately did. did. Everybody's and, doing uh, right now. Yeah, well, you don't, you know what? You don't even have to do it because I'm going to show you guys an image of Fournier's gangrene. Well, we can't show that. We can't put that on YouTube. Well, we might have to blur this uh, out on YouTube. Well, I don't think there's much to look at that's well, clear. There, yeah, there is, though, uh, in this photo. Uh, so so buckle up, Mark. This is what you signed up for. This is, like my uh, this <laughs> is essentially what happened to this man's penis. Wait, this I, is necrosis of the junk. I don't know if I want to look at it. You're such a fucker. Uh, it's actually just a, an image of rotten bananas for our listeners. Okay, well, everybody go and Google it because if you really. No, don't. I, 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 I actually do have it here. Um, oh, so Jesus oh, Christ. Oh, 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 you motherfucker. You really. Wow. Oh fuck! See, that's okay. a that's a that's a. If you look up, uh, what is it? Four years gangrene. Yeah, oh, th- this is tame. On oh, the, this is tame on the spectrum yeah. of w- images that will come up when you search that. This is tame. honestly, guys. This is it is it is November right now or Movember, and this is why it's important to talk about to be comfortable talking about your health. Because right. If you don't like, well, the so so the guy that went talking in, about your fucking the guy that went in shit. that my friend. The reason that guy was there is that he left this. He yeah. was having this pain in his dick, didn't do anything about it, 
and it got so bad that he, I think he died. The guy died. He oh, did. Wow. What? What? Because yeah. by the time, so I remember it was too late. So we were we it were spread too we far. were together when our friend told us the story, and and <laughs> and the bit that I, that I remember was that he had come. He had said that uh, the retelling of this was that he had he had had this pain for a very long time, like upwards of a month or two months, that he was like feeling significant pain, uh, challenging to have bowel movements, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. And that his wife said that for at least a month, oh, yeah. there was a rotten putrid smell coming from him. Yeah. Whoa. And, that, and so visually- That's how bad this got. And so visually Whoa. for this person, you couldn't see. It was all happening internally. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. they and then they went in and they opened him up and they basically his entire like abdominal cavity was completely destroyed. Why does that happen? Like, well, how, how can that happen? That's a good question. And I don't know enough. I mean, a snake bite in your dick. Yeah, true. But that's but true. I mean, in this guy's case, he probably I don't know. Yeah, you I know? mean, we have a lot of people who, who listen to the show who would probably know. Letters um, at sickboypodcast.com. Yeah. How do you get Fournier's great gangrene, how does it develop? Like, how would that happen to someone? Yeah. And, it is, it is how, an object lesson in like just not ignoring stuff, right? Because I don't know how it yeah, is for it. you guys, but like dudes, generally speaking, leave things way too long before they totally. realize and, something's and, gone wrong. Yeah. And I'm and as guilty is, as anybody. Is, like, And this is a conversation that we had on the podcast <laughs> during our live show, uh, our Movember live show that we did a couple of days ago. Which is that you know the the stereotype of men, this like stoicism, the sort of um, like pushing down feelings, having a hard time communicating about things that are tough and challenging. Those are the things. Those are the parts of masculinity that have led us to a point where men just have a hard time talking about their health and talking about their whether whether it's mental health, their physical health, and in that it prevents them from actually seeking help. And yeah. so, you know, it's just, it's this the, uh, vicious cycle that obviously in this man's case led to his fucking the, death. The stereotype of it's more masculine to like, to like man up and like, like <laughs> don't talk about it and stuff is actually, um, I think is like a bullshit yeah. uh, mask to like say, oh, you're, it makes you uncomfortable to go to the doctor and talk about something because it makes you feel weak or something like that. Um, well, it's actually takes a lot more strength to go and open up about that thing than to shove it down and yeah. ignore it in the first place. Yeah. So, yeah, it's bullshit. Yeah, no talk about your shit. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Um, so moving right along here, uh, this next story. Whew, this is this. What the fuck, dude? This is some. I know there, it, we we've got wild shit this week. Did you get any palate cleansers? In uh, <laughs> this is a bit. Of, this is kind of a palate cleanser. It's it's. Uh, but it's a it's a fascinating story. Um, but before we get into it, I have a question for you, Mark. Mark, have you? You know, you're you're a father. Mm -hmm. uh, you're in your. I'm gonna guess you're in your. Um, you know, mid to late thirties. Um, uh, do you have you have you put much thought into end of life or? or thought into death and what, what your plans will be for when that day comes. If, if that day, you know, presents itself with, with, um, any, any of, of, uh, preparation on your end. Probably not as much as I should have. Um, like, I think we have a will I think <clears throat> I think we've got a will that kind of says what happens to the kids. If, if either of, if either of us go or both of us go, my wife and I, um, but no, I, I probably haven't. Uh, I think I've put more effort into the trying to push it back. Does that count? Right. Yeah. Well, so so how about this? It's um, common. To be a little <laughs> bit more specific about it, have you put any thought into what you would like to see happen with your body when you pass away? Mm, I Look, 
I know intellectually the the most uh, sort of environmental thing is supposedly um, cremation, but I'm still banking on shooting my remains into the sun. And I don't care how much money you have to spend to do it. Please do it. <laughs> okay. All right. I love it. God. Uh, Elon Musk might be able to. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast at length, but for the sake of this, Taylor, what, what, what would you ideally like to see happen with your body when you're dead? Um, I like the idea of, I like the idea of burial from the, not from like the religious, uh, from like the religious angle that, that burial has, or like the ritual of burial, but more so (laughs) from like the, and not like casket and everything. But when we talked to Caitlin, um, what was Caitlin's last name? Dowdy. Caitlin Dowdy about, about, um, all the different rituals and ways that you can, that you can do this. Like the green, the green burial, yeah, green like burials. Kind of put in a shroud, and you're put in the ground. I really like the idea of like, um, I really like the idea of just being, uh, just having my particles and my matter yeah. just get fully recycled back into the okay into this into this yeah. circle of life. Brian, uh, what about you? Uh, Viking funeral pyre and mm. uh, ashes scooped and put into a glass dildo. Okay. Yeah. So, no, um, hold on. Whoa, whoa, sure. Are those two separate options? No, no, same thing. Yeah, there's a there would be like so some the pyre of, to burn, yeah. and then take the ashes and put yeah. them into a. a there glass would be like a machine or something. So you're on, gonna have a the floating. So you're gonna have a yeah. floating thing that's GPS burning. Yeah, and then it, it just returns to base, and you scoop yeah. it up and you put it in the dildo. Yeah. I think it makes total yeah. sense. What? Just like yeah. the SpaceX, <laughs> yeah. lots of drones yeah. and shit. And I'm pretty sure Elon Musk can help you as much as he can help mine. Do you know what a Raspberry Pi is? I am familiar with yeah, this yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It's um, funny because Raspberry Pi sounds very naughty, <laughs> it sounds but so it's so cool. not. It's not at all. So, <laughs> um, uh, I, th- there, have been, there have been a number of times where I thought about the idea of donating my body to science. And I think a lot of people have thought about this idea of, of you know, putting yourself forward so that if your body is needed for science, um, to donate it so that, you know, and, and I think when you when you think about that idea, what comes to mind is like your body is given to a university for Tr- hungover med school students. Yeah, for, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like for for anatomy classes, or they're just or, drawing on you, or or to um or to some sort of hospital or something of of that mm. kind of ilk. I, I also want to mention that's what's going to happen with my body before the Viking yeah. Empire. But yeah, yeah. well, um, in this case, uh, this is very interesting. Also, a Vice article. Family finds dead grandfather being dissected at public event. Oh, I've Uh-oh. seen this story. No. This is this is horrendous. This is wild, and there is there is a sub category to this story that I'm saving for next week. That is going to blow our minds wide fucking open. You'll hear a little bit about it in this article, but we'll cover the the the. The basis of that next week. My favorite thing on this podcast is when we start to get, go down a lane. Oh man, and this is a fucking lane over a yeah. series of episodes. So, a family <laughs> who thought their grandfather's body would be donated to science learned that he ended up dis- dissected in front of a paying public audience. Wow! In the middle of a hotel event room across the country, the body of David Saunders, no relation to me, ninety-seven-year-old <laughs> World War II vet, ended up in the ballroom of a Portland, Oregon Marriott hotel where people paid up to $500 Hold for on. tickets I to see a live autopsy in person. <laughs> I want to be, I want to go in a Marriott hotel. <laughs> that's my, that's what I want. Only in the States, right? <laughs> I think I've stayed at that hotel. <laughs> it's Hold not on, a nice no, one. Uh, I changed it again. Uh, four point Sheridan. <laughs> there's a cute, uh, the, I think there's like a Porter's or a QT that's like very fancy. The, uh, <laughs> the family discovered what happened to their grandfather's body only after an undercover journalist from Seattle news outlet King five attended the October event and spotted the man's name on a tag hanging from the body. No fucking way. The autopsy performed by a retired college anatomy professor included several hours of dissection, slicing into the chest cavity and removing organs and the brain. So this is crazy that they, the story of which of how this ended up to be is quite wild. Mike Clark a funeral director in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, handled Saunders' body after his death. So Clark is the d- funeral director. He's the one in 
in kind of charge of Saunders' body. Clark told the uh, King Five that he passed the body to a private company called MedEd Labs, which claimed to solicit corpses for medical research purposes. That company then sold Saunders' body to Jeremy Siliberto, the founder of DeathScience.org. Dude, is that crazy that your body can get sold? Dude, this is, the, this is what we're going to cover next week. The uh. whole realm of what happens to your body when you donate it to science is completely unregulated. Oh. Dude, I, I mean, I've been, I've been trying to raise the, raise the alarm on big corpse for like for years now. <laughs> <laughs> the, the you need to have children because that was an A-class dad joke. Guys, I think that we should start a business uh, where we, where we're the middle, we're the body middlemen. I, it sounds like, I mean, there's money in it. It's great B2B. Apparently. Um, so, so we'll, we'll keep following this thread. So, so MedEd gives the body to this guy, Jeremy Siliberto. Sell it to him. And he's the, death, he's the guy that owns, he's the founder of DeathScience.org. And DeathScience.org partnered with the Oddities and Curiosities Expo to hold the cadaver autopsy event. Siliberto said he bought bodies for this event for more than $10,000. Okay? So a representative for the Oddities and Curiosities Expo told Motherboard in an email that the expo's only role in the event was to provide a ticketing platform for death science and that the cadaver class has never been a part of the traveling expo. Quote, Oddities and Curiosities Expo was aware that the demonstration was happening at a different location with a different company. And we're, we're of the understanding that it was intended to be an educational, intended to be educational in nature, the representative said. Now, Siliberto advertised these events on his TikTok account. And huh. here is the advertisement yes. that he put out yes. about this event where Saunders's body ended up. You want to see a real-life autopsy and cadaver dissection for education? Keep watching. We're super excited to be teaming up with the Oddities and Curiosities Expo to bring everyone this opportunity to join us in a cadaver lab. It'll be hosted by us and instructed by a forensic pathologist and surgeon. We'll be having class in Portland, Oregon, Sunday, October 17th, and in Seattle, Washington, Sunday, October 31st. Morning class is forensic autopsy and afternoon class is anatomical dissection. Tickets at cadaverclass.com. Join us physically inside the classroom or virtually anywhere in the world for this educational event. Attendees should be 18 years or older. It's a great opportunity for students, professionals, and really anyone interested in pursuing a career path in forensics, mortuary, or the medical fields. And you can learn more at cadaverclass.com. My favorite wow. part about that is the bit that he takes a sharp intake of breath immediately before he says, for education. Like, yeah, the, like that, the right. tiniest like little bit of parenthesis, like, oh, it's for education, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's definitely some like fishiness here. And, and it, this keeps going, right? So I, I know this is a long article, but like it, it's, it's too fascinating not to cover. So, so everybody involved here, all the people involved claim that they were duped by the next person in line of custody to take possession of Saunders' body. So Clark told King Five he was under the impression that MedEd Labs would use the corpse for medical research. But MedEd La MedEd's Labs went on to sell the body to, to DeathScience.org. Um, uh, they thought so. The the uh, Clark he he thought that Clark's the original. Clark's guy. the original person. He was the he was the funeral director. Can right? I can I ask a question? What did the yeah. family think had happened to the body initially? Like did the did they just, just were they under the impression that it was in the ground or somewhere? Did they have any idea that it was out of the ground being passed around? Yes. So the family agreed to give the body up for for donation to medical science, and so they were thinking that. This guy Clark has the body, and the process is that he will give it to someone like MedEd Labs, and MedEd Labs will then find a place for this to exist um, for the advancement of like medical students. Which, yeah, like when you think about that, you often think of university settings. Yeah, You'd think and that, then, that would have then, to be like a federally regulated but or like, and that's like, the fucking crazy. Uh, there would have to not. be like a federal governing body that like handles that now, in some sort. So, now, some MedEd sort of Labs 
they claimed that Siliberto was, quote, beyond dishonest about the nature of the event and called it a medical class. Siliberto claimed that the family was informed all along, quote, I can guarantee that that man knew his body would be used for medical research purposes. Siliberto said, Siliberto pitched all along that it was an educational performance and perhaps it was enlightening for the people who watched it. So in a statement to Motherboard, Siliberto claimed that MedEd Labs was responsible for and provided the cadaver as well as an, an, the anatom anatomist, the equipment, uh, serology report, the venue booking, and all handling of the body before, during, and after the event. Yeah, because that like usually when I'm looking um, through academic calendars or trying to check into like a course that I want to take, I usually <laughs> go to TikTok first. That's <laughs> what I'm. Like, that's what I'm saying, dude. Like that's where it gets really fucking sketchy. Yeah. yeah. It, it 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 look. It, listen, I'm maybe I'm uh, reaching here a little bit, but it looks like almost like this is like a like a necrophiliacs conference or something like that. Right. Because it's for the, some weird vibe. Because you're because it's for the public, so they're like selling tickets to an event where you're just. To the public, and and in the in the in the description of the class, they said, "quote Cadaver access before, after, and during breaks." A description for the autopsy class reads, "The quote dissection class, meanwhile, which followed one hour after the conclusion of the autopsy class, said, quote We will be observing an anatomical dissection of a full human cadaver. Death sciences medical professionals will be guiding us through a formal anatomical dissection. The dissection will offer a unique look at what is under our skin." Though our body through our bodies and how it all works together. That's weird too. That first bit about like, oh, you'll be able to see it before, during, and after. Yeah, yeah. And, and, like, and, and and for a twenty dollars surcharge, we will <laughs> we will give you ten minutes of alone time. <laughs> it's the veneer of education, isn't it? Like that's the part that's really like because you can see it. It like it it. it it becomes really naked when you watch the, the the TikTok video that he's like he knows he he knows he needs to put just enough sort of educational language around it that he can get it over the line, but it's not. It doesn't certainly feel like that's the underlying goal of this. Yeah, but here's here's but the, here, my question for you, Jared, is like yeah. it, and and you guys like if we we're sitting here and we. Like something came up on our one of our social media channels where somebody was like, "Hey, yo, there's going to be this conference down at the Halifax Convention Center. You can come down and check out a real body being autopsied." Would you guys be have any interest at all? One hundred percent, I would be there. Yeah, I know that's what I was. Yeah, thinking. thousand percent. I mean, I'm I'm not going to say I, like this is shady as fuck and so bad. However, I'm in. Well, like, because like, you're I would have been there because you're also not thinking. Well, no, you know, yeah. six degrees down the line, no. some family was was lied to about yeah, where their where their you know uh, uh, grandfather's body. No, is. I'm You're not right. thinking about where the body came from. I'm because I'm just assuming this is all above legit, board. Yeah, above yeah, board. Sure. Yeah. definitely run into some interesting characters though. Yeah. So, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> there was a recent article on the funeral director's news website called Connecting Directors, and it discussed the so-called chain of custody issues where bodies are misplaced, misidentified, or otherwise straight up lost. They said, quote, you have to know without any hint of a doubt from the moment the remains are placed into your care to the time they reach final disposition or are returned to the family that you can positively, unequivocally provide positive, proper identification of that individual. So clearly in the world of funeral home directors, this is a fucking issue. Mm. Now, here's where it gets really, here's, here's where... Things get weird. Here's where things turn weird. <laughs> yeah. here's, where, here's where the discussion gets really interesting because, okay, so the, the notion of giving your body over to, to science, right? Like that's the, when I die, I want to donate my body to science. That's the thing we've heard people say time and time again. That statement, donate my body to science, is a very broad statement. What does that mean? In this case here, although this wasn't um, an event that was sp specifically for, um, uh, you know, university medical students or, or, you know, future funeral home directors or yada, yada, what have you, it was just a public event. It still does fall in line with that statement. I want my science, to, my body to be donated to science because it is 
teaching the science of anatomy to a bunch of people. Listen, there could have been a 20-year-old kid there who was so inspired right. by that event that he went on to become, or she or they went on to become... A serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is the origin story of Dexter that we always wanted to say. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. Right. Or but, an incredible surgeon. But like, am, and, I, am I right, though? Like, like, there's, a point uh, that, there's a point to be made there that although this, is, this isn't okay and this is shady... It still kind of falls well, in. Well, I guess it beckons for more clear language about what science is when okay, you're donating yes. it. That so, you need to be more clear yeah. when you say you're going to do that. That maybe there's some language around my bo- I I would like my body to go to a medical school for yes. studying purposes or something like because that. Because the fact that this is unregulated means that that statement is so broad that it can lead to something like this. Donations to universities are most likely to be used for teaching and research. And donors are much needed to develop new medicine tools that help the living. But private for-profit companies that buy and sell cadavers have been caught using them to test explosives and leaving them to thaw out in the sun. Wow, that's horrific. So this is what I want to cover next week, which is that there have been bodies that have been donated to science mm. that end up in the hands of the military and the military use those cadavers to test what happens to a human body when you blow it the fuck up. Dude, there's so many movie you know, scripts like available I in this. Know. I have a road. way better idea. And I think that maybe this is something we should uh, look at doing for, <laughs> for next year is imagine, and this is for science, of course, because we would be studying um, how fear works in the human body. So we'd do a, a haunted house and we'd buy a fuckload of those bodies and put them all in the in the haunted house so that it would smell fucking oh, String terrible. them up, string them up yeah, so they're yeah. floating and yeah. like kind of moving. And we could animate them with like an, like animatronics and stuff you, like that. You're gonna wake into Bernie's them. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we and we just scare the shit out of people. Uh, but we'd we'd have like a some some medical student there, some fucking researcher doing some studies on fear. Sorry. I was gonna say the No, no, go ahead. The thing that stands out to me is that how far we haven't come because this is the the origin of science is like was a lot of grave robbing. Like, you know, if you go yeah. back into the history of, you know, any kind of anatomical science, a lot of it was like, we're going to go, we're going to, and this is like right into sort of the 18, 1900s that they were going into um, graveyards where, or sick and poor people basically died and they pulled the bodies and they started dissecting them. And, and some of those remains still exist. And some of them, you know, universities across America have them and they don't know what to do with them because they're like, we know we got this through terrible, terrible um, mm. means. And actually one of the episodes of Stuff the British Doll is about a body where, which was basically kept for medical purposes. And then there was this really long campaign in South Africa to get her, it's a woman, her name was Sarah, returned. And so th- it's, I think the thing that alarms me most about this is how far we haven't come because this has been going yeah. on for for centuries. And the fact that it can still happen in this sort of broadly unregulated sort of extra legal space is amazing to me. Yeah. And that's something amazing. that we just have never like, like I would never think about this. It's amazing that we managed to go full circle here. I love it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That this had a tie back to your podcast was it's, so incredible. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, let's uh, let's wrap things up. But before we do, we'll hit um, uh, this week's um, segment of what the health. <laughs> Guys, I'm getting real tired of doing it. My back's all fucked up. I couldn't I couldn't give it everything I had. You don't really have to do it anymore. Uh, do you guys know what <laughs> we appreciated that super superfetation is? No, especially not when you say it like that, because I can't be a hundred percent convinced. I could have pronounced it, pronounce it right. Superfetation. <laughs> I think that's it. Do you know what superfetation is? Mm, uh, I feel like it is a thing that involves. It's hard because it doesn't even have like a. You know, normally like, there's like a syllable in there that reminds you of like a body part, and you can kind of guess from that. But it doesn't really. Is no. it having like super fast feet? No, uh, that's that's, that's I'll I'll Uh, see myself out. Is is the the simultaneous occurrence of more than one stage of developing offspring in the same animal, which sorry, say that again, can happen to humans. What did you say? So basically, 
It is possible, although extremely rare, only 10 documented cases in medical journals across the world where a woman is pregnant twice. Uh, at the same time? At the same time. Like ha- two uteruses? But isn't so it- the phenomenon is called superfetation, and in order for it to happen, a second egg needs to be fertilized and implant itself in the uterus of someone who's already pregnant. So this is this separate to being twins? Is it, this is like it's, I, it's, one's already started and we got another one in the oven and ready to go. That's Ooh. right. Yeah, you got one just following real real quick behind. But in the same uterus. Yeah. So, so you uh, might have one that's like six months and then another one that's like, oh, fuck, this one's three months. Yeah. So this is different than twins because the eggs are released at different times. Yeah. And it could happen with sperm from the same person or different people. Superfetation is super rare for a few reasons. Number one, the pregnant person with uh, needs to have uterine dilithis, so two uteri. Okay. A pregnant person would need to ovulate after being pregnant and release the second egg, yet hormones released in early pregnancy prevent ovulation from occurring. We talked about, we didn't talk about superfetation. Or, is that, is that, is <laughs> yeah, that, that was it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we talked to somebody, this was years ago now, we talked to somebody who, have, who has two uter- uteri. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this could happen to her. Right. Uh, the other thing that it needs to be um, happening is the second egg would need to be fertilized by sperm, yet pregnancy hormone cause a cervix to form a mucus plug that blocks the passage of sperm. Mucus plug is my favorite term. That's That's the other metal band playing uh, (laughs) the other one. We're actually now coming up with a festival. (laughs) Uh, And then finally, the fertilized egg would then need to implant in an already pregnant womb unless there were two uteri. This also requires the release of certain hormones that wouldn't be released if the person was already pregnant. Experts believe that superfetation has the possibility to occur when the initial spike in pregnancy hormones is delayed. Hormones are spiked from in vitro fertilization or a pregnant person has two uteri. A doctor would notice a case of superfetation if an ultrasound showed two fetuses growing at different rates in a single womb. However, this can also happen with twins for a variety of reasons. The most important complication of superfetation is that since both babies are growing at different rates, they will be ready for birth at different times. Yes. For survival, often both babies are born at the same time through C-section, timed to ensure the least complications for all. Wow. How fucking wild is that? Wow. Because you'd imagine that if if they didn't, which makes sense that they do, do it by C-section that they're both born at the same time. Can you imagine... It wouldn't be possible. I don't, I feel like it wouldn't be possible. Right. To give otherwise. birth to one and leave yeah, one like, in. Yeah. As soon as you started talking about this thing, I was like, well, that's uh that makes giving a birth problem. to one of those babies a problem. Yeah. So and, what did they go? They yeah. go to time it so that it's like, cause at a certain point you get like space issues, right? You can't have them both fit in there cause they're not in the same kind of structure. So you got to time it until there's X amount of months where it's safe to remove one, put it in um, intensive care and close enough to the other that it's, so like you, you sort of, you'd have to find a sweet spot in the timing, right? Where there's like yeah. enough space, enough development, but you, I mean, I'm saying this like, it's really simple. I'm sure it's like a thousand times more complicated <laughs> yeah. than that. But like, I think that huh. is it though. Yeah. It's like, you kind of got to wait until it's like, okay, this baby is doing good and will be stable when we take it out. This baby, although much born much earlier than it's supposed to be, will, the, the chances viable. are that it, how, it's viable. How and rare survive. is it? Uh, t- only 10 cases documented period ever wow well yeah. now i i, I want to bring this up maybe humans, but i want to run it by you in case we were, you were going to add it to a future episode but the article i sent you yesterday about the mix-up yes that will be a future episode okay cool yeah. then i won't mention yeah yeah it. yeah yeah that, and that's wild yeah love love all the tease to the teasing for, uh, for future <laughs> feel good friday episodes uh mark dude what a pleasure pleasure to have you on the show um, it's so fun to do this with, uh, with another, another voice, another head. Um, why don't one more time, just give our listeners a little plug for, uh, stuff, the British stole where they can find it. Um, and, and where people can find you. Great. Uh, th- thank you for having me. It was lovely. I really enjoyed this. It was actually really did live up to, to expectation. Um, uh, yeah, you can find stuff, the British stole wherever you get your podcasts, or of course you can find it 
on uh, CBC's website and their app as well. But um, yeah, if you're interested in all the insane shit that led to the us being here in this world, that's the show to listen to. And you can find I'm me on socials. I'm just at yeah. Mark Fennell. It's Mark spelt with a C because uh, I don't know that my fam my family was fancy. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I'm going to listen to that ASAP. Yeah, do you I, know what Mark spelt history. with a C is in Cantonese? <laughs> do you know the story is? Um, Originally, I was uh, was going to be Max, and then I came out, and Mum went, "Oh, he's going to be a wanker. Let's give him Mark with the French spelling." And she was right. <laughs> uh, Mark, thanks, dude. This has been really fun. And uh, to everybody else, thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we love doing this. We have so much fun. If you're watching on YouTube, knock the bell icon, uh, hit subscribe, leave your thoughts on below in the comments. Anything that you heard this week, something that uh, you know just tingled you to bits. Um, uh, we want to know about it. And uh, to all of our listeners on Spotify, hit the follow button, Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and review. Uh, we love we love hearing from you in those ways. And uh, let's uh, maybe our call to action this week for letters or DMs. Um, you So you can send this to letters at sickpointpodcast.com or if you're a Zoomer, you can fly on over to our DMs and slippity slide right in there. <laughs> and uh, let us know what the weirdest translation of your name is in whether it's Cantonese or, yeah. or, or any other language that, that, that says that your name is super fucking weird. Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> thanks everybody who makes this show happen. Uh, thanks to Jeff Lonis, our manager. Thanks to Rich O'Quinn for the theme music. Uh, and to everybody else, we love you. Patreon, patron people. You guys are great. Sweet potatoes. That is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Mark with a C. And this is... <laughs> And this is sick, boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.